0: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spirit and Steinberg Podcast. Right here with Spears. How y'all feel out there? It is.
1: Red Butler, here. Yeah. Good evening. Bartholomew Carrington III. $10. A lot of money. Yeah. yeah. What time is it? Gate time. Game bug space. Can't get you. Redfoot's liquid slave name. Here yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I know you this. Conversation. You feel and that's how I get hey y'all. Uh am I hot? Is that too loud? No, nah, you were just you I was, was just
0: loud. Yeah, I think we bumped it up a little bit by accident.
1: Uh, hey y'all! I told we we told you we were gonna get to this uh, great documentary on HBO uh, called Frederick Douglass and the Five Speeches. Um, really great, man! You know I don't pretend to know a whole lot about Frederick Douglass, why? Why? Which is why this was uh, very informative. Uh, I tried to read his book, uh, the autobiography, but that shit was as thick as a yellow pages, and. Uh, I just would I just couldn't do it. Um so, but this thing is is cool, man. Y'all gotta check it out. Five speeches. Um, I think did I tell you about it? I told yeah. you about it, but then you saw it yeah. and was telling me about it. Um and and I think the first thing I, I wanted to address was uh it kept saying um that he he came from Baltimore and he eventually went to New York. And I was like, "There was no slavery in, in the North, right?" He, he was a slave in Baltimore, though. They had slaves in the North, did they? Yeah,
0: I thought the North was free. No, uh, certain places passed laws that, uh, that allowed free blacks in those those areas, but slavery was uh, was allowed throughout all the Americas. Really? Yeah.
1: So all the times when they would say in slave movies how slaves would escape from the south to the north, where did they know to go in the north? I thought once they got to the north, that was freedom.
0: period. No, but after a certain amount of years, then there was you could go to these areas where they, there were slaves. There were no there were no, where slavery slavery was technically uh, not participated in, in those in those areas. Okay. But then again, I'm still going. How did the slaves know where to go?
1: Like, when, what information did they get to go? Oh, now these areas are safe. I, I, I don't know that. I don't know
0: the answer to that.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I'm I'd be curious to know how would they? Because again, if you're gonna take, I guess, well, uh, no, go ahead. If go you're ahead. gonna take the risky, life threatening chance of, you know, securing your freedom, I would think you want to know that you know where you're going.
0: Well. There, you know, when you watch certain movies, you'll see that, uh, and I, I'm going by movies. I, I wish I was more intelligent on this. Which is dramatic license, yes, so. yeah. But but you would see it, and I and I believe this is a- accurate that the people would come with their like black free blacks would come to areas, okay, and so you would know that. Well, how is he free? Like, what, and and I'm not usually I don't want to use Django as as a, but they knew that he was a free slave, that he was not a slave, he was a free man.
1: Cause, it's dude, Cause the dude would, would
0: tell people that. Yeah, so eventually I think that you would hear that, but I don't know. I you know I'm this is all conjecture. I don't right. know what the fuck I'm talking about. But, but I, I would assume that that's how you would you would find that would spread, and then people would come to that area. And if there was right. freedom, they would want to go back and get people. That's how the the Underground Railroad was. Right. Um. Well. They,
1: yeah, that's how the Underground Railroad was, but you know the conductor. For for lack of a better word, she chose to do that. Yeah. I know a lot of that. And this this was one of my notes that I have in this was, you know, they would talk about how Frederick Douglass would go to Canada and would go to Europe, where clearly there was no slavery. And and they were treated far better than blacks here and respected. And I go, knowing what this is, and, and this is where I, you know, tip my hat to Harriet Tubman, tip my hat to Frederick Douglass. Because knowing what it meant to take that chance, literally your life, and knowing how harsh and horrible the conditions were, why would you want to come back? Why, when you got to Canada or Europe, would you ever want to leave? Back then, would had to be paradise to come back to this shit at all.
0: Well, uh, I I don't know that, that there's a lot of great questions to that because it's it's many. Uh, there's many stories of that happening and right. coming back people coming back to do this. Uh, but remember it, obviously there was slavery up north because the the White House was built by slaves. Okay. So slavery was everywhere at one point in the Americas. Yeah see and listen folks, I don't ever pretend
1: that you know my education, especially as far as geographical and historical events is the greatest. Uh, I probably go off a lot of movies and shit that I've seen too or or some things that I've read here and there but I just always assume how it's been portrayed in the movies that to get from once you got to the north it was freedom. I had no idea that slavery was happening in certain parts of the north.
0: Yeah, it had to. I mean, it didn't have to but it had to by the description of what we, we have. Right. Um... You know,
1: part of what to me is so fascinating, intriguing, and, elo- and eloquent, and insightful to me about this when I was watching, and I was like, "Dude, men like Obama and Frederick Douglass and other great historical orators, uh, it's through the power of and the ability of, of being able to speak, uh, it's such a it's such a powerful thing to to really change people's minds." and change people's hearts. Um, You know, Henry Louis Gates Jr. had a great quote where he goes, an argument had to be eloquent to be persuasive. You had to appeal to the mind through emotions. Um, And I had asked the question like, do you really think that hardcore, I mean, them hardcore racists, be it Klansmen, skinheads, do you really think they could be turned
0: with the right words? I think more than just words, but yeah, there's there's definitely people that show that people are changed constantly. Who's the musician that that all that has all those clan robes? Oh, I was gonna actually bring
1: him up. I don't know his name, Heavy Brother, but uh I forget what I watched him on, uh one of them shows on HBO that was kind of like a vice, um, where his mission in life was to talk to hardcore racists, clansmen, and turn them. And for every clansman he
0: turned, he collected their robes. And he has like 200 robes or something like that. Right. Uh, you know, I, I have a great way of, I think I can answer this. Um, yes, it can be turned and changed because uh, this racism is, is a form of ignorance. And so if you can educate someone, you can change their opinion.
1: But then I go, at what point are they willing to listen? Because if they're not willing to listen and they've got this arms crossed, I believe in what I believe, fuck you, get away from me attitude, That it. what is the thing that chips away at them going, all right, I'll listen for a minute? Because I would think that if you are that hardcore and this is how you've been raised, this has been ingrained in you, this has been passed down from generation to generation, what is it that happens that
0: moves you? I think experience I think when you experience someone of a different culture and I, this goes beyond black and white this goes on just any culture that you are you are unsure of it usually comes from either something either ignorance or something dramatic has happened to you from one person that's changed you about a whole country. okay see there it is I think it's the latter because I remember I
1: saw a clip on Oprah uh, in her younger years when she was more like Phil Donahue and 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 some of the earlier talk shows where it was about sensational television, sensationalism, TV, and you know one of the one of the easiest things to go to the nuclear button is always race. Um, and she had these hardcore racist dudes on her show. Cut to fifteen years later, she had them back. Only now they're no longer like that. And when she so showed them the old footage of the things they were saying, how stern they were in their beliefs, I mean, these dudes were weeping, man. They were like, "Yo, you know, none of them really said what it was that turned them. But I have to believe what you just said. Maybe one of their relatives was dying and a black person gave them a kidney or, or something to make them see beyond their ideology and color. It has to be because other than that, I, I'm going, what is it that
0: would make you have an experience or be willing to have one to turn you? Well, the other question and is what would make you racist in the first place? Well, but but again, that's taught to you from... But that's it. it can, so anything that can be taught can be untaught.
1: It's the theory of anything that can be built can be unbuilt. I hear that. But the difference with that is when, when I've heard that term, that's talking about machinery. We're talking about People who when your when your father and your grandfather and your mother and the people who you love and trust the most have raised you on this ideology, any any kind of change, it's almost like you're you're disrespecting them. You know.
0: I don't know that it would be would be considered disrespecting them. I think though what you just brought up, and and, you know, obviously these are all conversations that me and you have had, and we have going on, and this is ongoing. And this conversation just made me think of something: is remember, people used to live where their family lived, and their family lived before them, and their family before them. They rooted, right? You know, people didn't go. Like you go to college now, you know, it's not uncommon for someone who lives on the East Coast to go to the West Coast or someone from the West Coast to go to the East Coast, someone from the South to go to the North. It's it's very common. We have travel. We have transportation. But when you, you think about it being bu- this country built on an on idea that you didn't travel that same way, because if you left, you left, you didn't see those people again. If you went across country, you're never going to see your family again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It would be very rare for you to see them again because you'd have to make that trip again, which would be weeks and through, you know. Uh, terrain that's, that's not easy. So once it was, once that thing was planted, you're right. Generational, it would be rooted each generation because you would say the same things. But today I think the opportunity to see people differently uh, is much easier. So I don't know that like when we're having this conversation, if we're talking about today, I think what we're saying, I think is, is easier to understand. And see that say yeah that could be changed but like what you just said we go back fifty years ago when people didn't travel the same way or go back hundred years when they couldn't travel the same way I don't know that it, it make that that kind of lends me to see that lens where someone could just reroute that same uh, seed and it would just grow the same way but now I think it's just people who are uneducated don't uh, have Relationships with outside of their culture, they just stay in their their, their same spot and they're not uh, growing.
1: Yeah, and and but that's like, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is people who believe so hard in what they believe and stick in their stance, they, they don't want to grow. They don't want to leave that box that is their world. So I go again, unless you have some some life pulls you alter, out, pulls you out.
0: What would pull them out? Yes, it so has to be a gesture of somebody willing to do something above what you would expect. Right. Because once someone breaks that, that, that wall, like I, these people would never do this. And then they do that. You have to go, well, why did they do that? And once you start questioning, I think that's when it starts breaking down the walls. So when
1: Martin Luther King goes, only love can conquer hate. And when you have someone who is the Babe Ruth of, Babe Ruth of hate on such a ridiculous, strong level, do you just keep, through an attempt of love, keep trying to chip away and chip away? And, and if they just keep giving your back, giving you their back, you just keep doing it until they eventually go, "What, motherfucker?" I,
0: I, I don't think that I, you know, as I don't want to say this. I think there's moments for someone to say or to show their character. Mm-hmm. And then there's moments when I think someone else's character has to be just taken down. Right. I, I think there's moments of both. That's why I'm saying when you look and you see the, the Martin Luther King and you see uh, Malcolm X and there was same wanted the same thing, different ways of getting there. They were both necessary. I, I can't say that Martin's way is is it would work. Martin's way doesn't work. Sorry, Doctor King's way doesn't work without uh, Malcolm X's way being there as a as, as the alternative. Okay, I I don't think it does. I I, I would love to say that that love is is is, is the key, and love is impo- Love is so important because you got to be able to show love. But, man, you got to... The, the, without some fear. I mean, you love, we love our relationship. You love your girl. You love your wife. You lo- But the fear of them leaving you is what keeps your love in check. Sometimes the fact that, you know, they found out something you have to have both. I don't believe that it's just love. Okay. I think they work. They work together. You know, and watching this, um, you know, uh,
1: and, and hearing the speeches, I was like and I was like this motherfucker Frederick was Obama before Obama. Like just the way and again the power of words and that is such a gift to be able to speak to people and change their minds. Which which again alludes to Henry Gates quote, you know, eloquent to pers- to be an argument had to be eloquent to be persuasive. You had to appeal to the mind through emotions. And I guess, look, we as comics, we're in the funny business, but it's essentially the same thing to a degree. Now, you know, obviously, we talk about slavery, and from from people that are po- political presidents, these are serious matters. So this is a lot heavier than what we do. But still, whether it's a message in the comedy, and we deliver it with a with humor to reach your emotions, to get you maybe think different and go, oh, I didn't see it that way. Oh, now, oh, that makes sense. So uh, that's a unique talent. And for a black man in that time, and when they showed some of the footage in front of all these white folks, see a white folks, to be able to say what he said in the way that he said it and change
0: minds and move people, I just thought that was heavy shit. Well, that's the beauty of, of language. When you can illustrate in someone's (coughs) mind when you can verbally illustrate in someone's mind because people we're we're much better visually so when I'm giving you words but in your head I'm creating the visual for you I'm connecting with you in a different way and I think that's what comedians do what we we are attempting to do we're giving you that uh, for his and then like I said there's some there's shock value in him at that time because when you said a sea of white people and they're seeing this black man speak in a way that's more eloquent than most anyone that they've ever met speak. That's, right. cha- that's part of that change your mind. That's a <clears throat> moment when you go, wait a minute, I was told they can't read. They're not able to, uh, they don't have the same kind of community skills. They don't, they're not a- able to be educated. They're not, a- you get all this right. and then you have <clears throat> to go, well, what, wh- 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 what's that? Right. That has to break through because racism is built on, on very, uh, Uh, fragile layers because they're they're lies that are told and it's like a telephone book. If you take a telephone book, the pages are all, if you don't remember what a telephone book is for some of the people listening to this because they've never seen a telephone book, it was Mm -hmm. a big book with all the numbers (laughs) in it. Um, But the pages were, remember how flimsy and thin they were. Yeah. But once they were all stacked up on each other, it was you couldn't just punch through the phone book. Right. But to me, that's kind of what this is. People have created these layers. This is what racism is. All these really thin, fragile, bullshit layers that on their own are very breakable. But altogether. That's what you have to fight through. And I think that this, to what you said at the very beginning, you start chipping away. You break these little fragile thin pieces of paper where people have to question, why why was this said? That doesn't make any sense. Look at this man speaking to me this way. My own father doesn't talk to me this way. Right.
1: I've come to tell you about slavery. 1841. Barack Obama. You know, I remember in the still of the night uh, heading to the shores of New York on the island of Manhattan, having just come from Maryland, that uh, this would be the first time where I would speak in front of a group of white people. And rather than have my eyes and my ears trained on fear, for as a slave, it has always been taught to me never to speak to a white person where the eye lines are direct and where the ear can hear the robust confidence of the sound of a black man proud. But rather than be paralyzed by this fear, I knew that it was at this time, at this defining moment, on this stage, it was my job to greet them as such, how I would want them to greet me. So instinctively, I just opened up with, hello everybody. You know, Does he, does he hold him with everybody? <laughs> yeah, everybody. <laughs> you know, I was watching uh, 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 Pursuit of the Perfect Union again, and I just noticed that's, you know, when he walks into the press room. Hello, everybody. So
0: just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, that's such a great Obama-ism. It, it, it really is. Yeah. But you know what it is? That that little bit right there to me, yes. since we were discussing language, and this right. is what this is about. Everybody. That's the way that takes some of the presidential facade and, and the, the the power and allows him to be approachable. Human. Human. Yeah. Everybody. How you doing, everybody? Yeah. Um,
1: dude, and, and you know, watching this, and I know I've kind of alluded to this before, obviously somebody wrote the Bible, man. And I go, when do the lines and the rules between what is supposed to be the goodness of Christianity and hypocrisy begin to blur. Because I find it funny that so many racist, evil people can call themselves Christians, but yet carry out evil acts and ideas that would go against the ideology based on what's in the good book. Like what kind of, I don't know if it's stupidity, but arrogance where you go, I'm a Christian, but you hanging niggas. I'm a Christian. But slavery, even, even, even as I was watching uh, the other night, 12 Years a Slave, and I've seen the movie twice, but I was really watching the other day and I just went, this shit is brutal. Some of the shit in that movie is brutal. Hanging my man um, uh, Chitlin's, uh, Chitlin's, Chitlin's emoji for from the tree where the only thing stopping him from choking to death is his tippy toes in the mud. But then they had that scene with Benedict Cumberpatch when they first all, when him and the one black slave female who lost her kids were uh, attending church. And Benedict is reading from the Bible. And the black chick who lost her kids is crying relentlessly. And they cut to uh, the white lady of the of the plantation, who's Benedict's wife, and she leans over to a black slave sitting next to her and goes, "I can't stand all this depression. It's uh, that misery is just too much." And she and she knew in the scene because when they show up in the buggy, she girl's crying, and she says to Benedict, "Why is she crying?" And he goes, "Because her children were sold off." And the white lady goes for just at that moment, "Ah," and then she says, uh, "With some food and rest, you'll be you'll be forgetting of your children." By tomorrow. So I'm going, there was a moment where as a woman and as a mother, the white lady went, oh, she lost her kids. But then just as quickly, nigga eat, get some sleep. You be I. And then later she had that woman removed from the plantation because she couldn't stand it no more. And I'm just going, good Christian. That's the right thing to do. What a contradiction.
0: But that is when we go back to the pages that I'm talking about of racism. The way that's conveyed and the way that works is you have to see <clears> that black woman as a slave and not as a human. But doesn't that go against Christianity? Not if it's not a human. And this is what the, and when I say this, not even, as you, what I'm saying is not of the same race. This is why when I, and I get letters all the time when I'm going, we're well, one race. We're different cultures, we're one race. Right. Because you can if if the, this is the greatest thing that's been sold is that we are different and we are different races because if we're separate races, it's easier to make this a uh, distinction that this is different than I am. And we're not different. Listen, God has taken care of this. And I and I'm not a big like God guy. But if if I went out and had sex with the, with an animal today, any other animal besides a human Besides my race, I can't produce. There is no pig people. Well, you you can, but it'll be a Chris Catan baby. (laughs) I'm sorry, go ahead. It doesn't work. Right. But as as, as our human race, we can produce. God made it this way. In the invention, if you don't believe in God, whatever created us, whatever science, whatever you want to make that made us, we can reproduce. This this is the single truth. I cannot go fuck a fish, and the fish will and, and will have like a fish person. It doesn't happen. We know the people who fuck chickens. There are no chicken dudes.
1: <laughs> right. I know some niggas that fuck chickens up. <laughs> uh, eating wise,
0: but yeah, you can't fuck a chicken. I'm saying that this is one of the things that has been sold, and once you can separate us, then you can you can act this way. You can you can. Put together a lie and sell this.
1: What what a, what a, I don't know if cruel is the right way. That's probably one of many words, but what a fucked up thought process. And if this was truly, and what kills me is in the scene as Benedict is reading from the book and then who they later cut to, I don't know the actor's name, but he always played uh, Magneto in the younger versions of X-Men, yeah. who plays with the slave master, who Benedict Cumberpatch said to uh, Chiwetel, this guy is known for being a slave, a nigger breaker. He's reading from the book too. And he actually quotes a line about something about obeying thy master. So he's basically telling the slaves, look, it's in writing. To disobey your master is an offense.
0: I'm just going Jesus, but as Christ. as we know, that book is written by man and there's there's more but if you want to go back and do Bible studies, there's more books that can be included in the Bible. There was there was men that chose which books made it into which stories made it into the Bible. And What words were written? Yeah, because these are all interpretations. These are all stories. One of the great, so I, I have a friend that's common, greatest thing that I've One of the greatest jokes that I ever heard <coughs> is that the, the Bible was just a, a really bad, uh, really uh, an interpretation of uh, uh, of the phone game. When you know the phone game, when someone says something to you and by the time 13 other people right, heard it, it's, it's a completely different story. Yeah. Well, it was just stories that were passed down. So this is what we got.
1: <clears throat> um. I didn't know until I I, I I I heard about Frederick with the white women, and plus, like I said, I saw it on the uh, the, the Ethan Hawke thing, um, and you know, actually, in that scene, they show him with a white woman and a black woman. Um, but I didn't know that Frederick Douglass for the first eighteen years was married to a black woman.
0: Yeah, and, and happily married to this. Yes, which we don't. I never heard about her. I didn't either I see it until I saw this. Right. So that, that was, and, and she was, and they, they bring that up in this, that she was never talked about. Life, Love, Family,
1: and the Unity of the Black Union, 1852, by Tony Soprano. It always knew that even through my struggles, as hard as it would be, for every Negro in America, particularly for the black man, uh, for him to be seen upon it by his family, to the turmoil and the denigration of slavery, as a figure of pride and leadership, the sanctity and the unity of a strong family union, first starts with the example set by he and his counterpart, the black woman. For often, she often at times through actions made but sight unseen, she would often foster the responsibility of being stronger than he, to which he would be the well that he would draw his strength. My love to her slave named Clara, will bear my children and be my strength for 18 years. And for that, I'm both grateful and I'm fortunate. Now look, this is me, Tony, talking. I don't even know what the fuck in here that means. But it sounds like to me, Frederick was just like the fuck of the Italians. He liked his rod to be tucked away until she was summoned. Rumor has it that when John Brown, Harriet Tubman, or Sojourner Truth came through, she was never around. Sounds to me like Frederick Douglass was part fuck of the dying. He also later dumped the shine, and married a white broad. So clearly he liked to pound his chocolate cookie into the white milk. Yeah, that was the second half. He, he had a white woman. <laughs> yeah, he was married to a white woman. Um, you yeah. know, listen, man, Frederick... <laughs>
0: Do you think the listeners are catching on to you are you doing this? I hope so. I hope so, I hope I hope so. so too. Um, Frederick uh, <laughs> spawned a lot
1: of niggas after him And when you watch this, he was the first badass motherfucker because I remember, again, and we mentioned this when Muhammad Ali talked about, man, people think I'm crazy. Uh, 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 The black black boxer. Jack Johnson, this man in the the 20s and the 40s rolled around with white women. Like, this motherfucker was (laughs) whooping white man's asses and parading white women around when it was beyond taboo. Um, I just said that Um, Frederick was Obama before Obama so this nigga was Obama and Jack Johnson
0: yeah and he spawned the original haircut for James Brown nigga (laughs) that's (laughs)
1: I'm telling you do you see the karate nigga up down side to side this nigga Andy about to hit you with the comedic crane kick um uh yeah, man, Frederick was a was a was a bad boy. Um, you know, the most historical and I was looking online to find some of his historical speeches, and there would be excerpts of certain things, but the one that was constant was the Fourth of July speech. Yeah. The Independence Day speech. Like this shit was the business. Yeah, it doesn't get talked about enough. No, and there was even a a clip I saw where James Earl Jones, um, was doing the speech, reciting it. And uh I guess this is his best speech.
0: Yeah. I I, I think it it's meaningful. And you know, like when we're saying using words mm-hmm. to paint a picture to really show someone to break through. Right. That's why I don't think it gets said enough. This should be read, you know, this should be read every along with every independence. Yeah, yeah. Why isn't it?
1: Well, We're still in school. Kids are in school July 4th, right? Yeah. Yeah, that should be... That should be part of the curriculum. yeah. Here's my question to you. Uh, And I guess this don't apply to white folks unless they care that much. So many things that we as black people celebrate historically via holidays, food, culture, that has deep racial, racist history behind it, uh, to which I don't even know that a lot of us know, but even if we knew it, um, i.e. Thanksgiving, 4th of July, the Pledge of Allegiance, and I love for Hush Puppies. If we really knew it, would we still celebrate it? Because I, I recently went to a soul food restaurant, and I know I mentioned this on a podcast, and I mentioned it to you. And I think at the time I mentioned it to you, you didn't know the origin behind Hush Puppies. No, I didn't. Which again I said was it's what slaves made. So when they ran away, they threw them on the trail so they would throw off the scent of the dogs and the dogs would eventually eat them um but if and you know we know thanksgiving the massacre of the indians uh and we know that the pledge of allegiance and the the, the has some racist connotation to it um the anthem was written by someone racist keys and it was he's right. he was a known race. so so is it wrong to still celebrate these things like like how you know eventually the washington redskins is no longer that the Cleveland is a Cleveland Indians still Cleveland Indians. They're changing the logo. They're changing the logo. Once we understand these historical atrocities slash truths,
0: do you still celebrate it? Okay, well let, let's break down a few things, and and we've talked about <clears throat> this before in comedic ways, where we said, do you separate the comic from the art? Do you separate? Do you always accept separate the artist from the evil deeds? Right. So you take the keys poem that was turned into the, to the anthem. And it's the third stanza that is where it's, it's steeped in racism. And that's never been, that's not part of the anthem that we sing. Right. Now take Whitney Houston singing that anthem. Do I praise that part right there? Do I hold that on a level where I go, yeah, I'm behind that. Can I separate it? The fact that the person who originally wrote that, who he was and the fact that they removed the third stanza from it can I if I have to separate art from the artist do I separate it and when I listen to someone uh, like Whitney Houston who who performed it arguably better than anyone else ever has do I does it hold up to me does that change how that is to me right. now this is a white person obviously saying this does it change it to me do I do I if I remove all that other stuff which I have to be to, honest
1: with you I don't think most white people care enough to change the tradition and what they like. Ain't nobody going to stop eating turkey and all that other shit because of the massacre of some Indians. And we know that. We know that that happened. You know, ain't nobody going to stop on 4th of July cooking ribs and barbecue chicken and hot links and, you know,
0: whatever else the fuck you grill because of that. You don't have to stop it, but you have to recognize what went with it. I think that that's important is to recognize what went with it. Uh, the 4th of July, I think it, it's, it's not here. Here's the difference. The 4th of July independence day is our independence from Britain, America's independence from Britain, but it didn't make everybody have freedom. It's not a day of freedom. It's an independence from the war that we were, so we were battling with Britain for America <coughs> to be its own, its own. That isn't, Independence Day. That is, mm. I don't know. I don't know how I would. It says it's not freedom, right? So, is there something that could be adjusted to to make that differently? I, I think that there is. I, I I really think Juneteenth is something that needs to be looked at, and it should be heralded alongside because that's truly the day that America was free. We were free from British rule on the Fourth of July, Independence Day from from Britain, but freedom in America didn't land until it landed in in Texas in, in Juneteenth. So how do you, how, can, can, they, can they work together? Can they be part of the same thing? Because one is freedom from Britain and one is freedom from, from America. And I think you have to, rec- I think even whether you're white or black, you have to recognize that freedom didn't occur into this country until that date. What to the slave is the 4th of July, 1854
1: by Keanu Reeves. Fellow citizens, why is it I have been chosen to speak here today on this day of national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and natural justice extended to the American Negro? For often we are not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. The rich inheritance of equality and liberty bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. You may rejoice. I must mourn. For the bellies of your children will be full a night's end after a day of hearty celebration. But what of that of the Negro child? Should the belly be unfull? Should they go without the feast of this day of celebration without eating the fowl? that is turkey, or the grains that is our bread, or the fruits and vegetables that are your crops and what they produce. For too often, the American Negro cannot be filled or their children's bellies be filled of nothing more than what he can afford, which is food that only comes from cans,
0: just cans. (laughs) I'm gonna be honest with this one. When you said Keanu Reeves, I went, "What?" early over. <laughs> and, and I and I was going with it. That's the hardest one for me to go with so far. That, <laughs> really? Yeah. Based on what? I don't know. Just Keanu delivering that speech is, was weird to me because just the word bequeathed. <laughs> <laughs> because it felt right for Keanu. It, that's the Bill and Ted Keanu. Right. It felt right. Right. But it's wrong. Right. <laughs> so it, it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, man, that's, uh, that one's, because it's such an important speech And to hear Keanu delivering it. It's, it's, it may be a little uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. I love it. That's good comedy though. Yeah, it is. Um,
1: you know, it, 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 kind of felt like uh, when you, when you watched this documentary, it alluded to the fact that as he got older, uh, he never stopped his work in terms of what he did in fighting for black people. But it feels like sometimes when dudes get older and the climate changes, they even said, not to say that you lose your power or your influence, but the younger generation starts to come in with a new steam and a new energy. Right. And it kind of said where it was like, uh, and this is is unfortunate, but I guess this is just human, this is part of human behavior, uh, especially when you're young and full of vigor. And you're trying to, you know, put your dick on the table and make a name for yourself. But it's unfortunate that you would think that in those, again, horrible times in terms of what black people had to go through, you would work together and not have to compete or feel like there are people who are trying to push you out. And they, they mentioned how, as he got older, younger black men who looked to do what he was doing seemed to kind of shun him a little bit. Um And, you know, he was also the guy that, you know, during the Civil War at that time, as he got older, tried to do things to help black soldiers. Um, And I was just like, maybe that's part of what's been ingrained in us. Niggas just always got to fight each other instead of coming together and, and having power in numbers.
0: You know, but this is where, and I and I see this a lot in a lot of the things. You know, where I really see it is in social media, where someone black does something wrong, someone puts it out, and then other people are like, "Why can't we stand together like white people do?" Our whole system has been about if we take the whole system, which was based on white ideology. Right, we're going to say that the system, the way that the systems run, our, our political system, and then take our, our our judicial system. Our judicial system was built to house people who did things wrong. We've always called out people that done things wrong, but when people had money and power, they were overlooked or they were was sidestepped. Right. When someone does something wrong, I think it, it adds credibility to say someone did something wrong, mm-hmm. but it's when you go after people who aren't doing anything wrong and you're making a mockery or making them look less than that. that's where people need to stand together. And they don't, I, I have a hard time with this, where we are right now about, um, and it's not, it's not up to me, but when I read these social media things and, and, you know, people say, you know, you should stand together like white people, white people call out white people to do shit. They do cover up for white people too. <clears throat> well, It's important that you say that, but, I think we have to get to a point where we when someone does something wrong, we just that was wrong. And, and and we should move forward because it's disingenuous and it makes us all look weaker when we're trying to cover for someone. Right. But I understand the problem with it. But that isn't good. That doesn't help anyone's causes when someone's hurting another in your own community. But you're supposed to stand together because that's what white people have done. Be better than then, And and is I, Man, I, I don't even want to get into the. I'm going to go too far on this because this is. <clears throat> I'm disappointed in humanity when I see people covering for people that are doing wrong. Yeah.
1: The proclamation of a
0: Negro army,
1: 1863. Sly Stallone. You know, it's doing the American Civil War. I was pushing Lincoln to allow Negro soldiers to fight for the North, you know? I actually organized in an African American unit, the 54th Massachusetts. I personally asked young men to serve in the unit, dozens of men, my two sons included, answered the call. One or more than one occasion, due to the possibility and the very existence of death that accompanies war. The morale of the negro soldiers with toil and despair you know so i found myself giving them hope and inspiration through you know through words kind of like a pep talk you know i'd say things like it ain't about how hard you shoot it's about how hard you get shot and keep moving forward you know that's how dying is done now if you know what you're worth go out and get what you're worth but you can't say you're not where you want to be thing to say this because of your captain or your sergeant or your lieutenants. Cowards do that and that ain't you! You're better than that. You're always going to be my troops and I'm always going to love you no matter what. And don't forget to say goodbye to your massa.
0: You really tied Rocky into that one. <laughs> did, did you notice? <laughs> It wasn't just the words. It was
1: It was the emotions. Yeah. Should have had Mick somewhere. Come on, Rock. (laughs) Talk to them niggas. (laughs) Tell them to pick up the battalions, kid. You know, it's kind of hot, you know. Some of these guys ain't used to, you know, killing Mick. Oh, Rock, these guys are fucking pussies. Tell these niggas their freedom depends on it. If they wanna be free, they gotta fight these niggas hard.
0: Dude, now this is the first time I've ever been doing the podcast with you. Yes. And you've been deep into the podcast, and I was worried about what the people in the other room were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's wild? <laughs> these walls are thin, nigga. You can you can really hear what other people are. Doing. <laughs> and and I also realized that being able to do a great Burgess, Burgess Meredith impression. Oh, you gotta! is really worthwhile. Oh,
1: you gotta push that motherfucker from your, <laughs> from your goddamn sternum, nigga, through the esophagus and out.
0: <laughs> ah, nigga. <You> gotta, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, uh, good Burgess Meredith is 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 definitely yeah. Dead. That's a that's it's a, it's a throat clearer. You got to have that in your pocket, man. That's that's worth having. Right. Um. <laughs> My last note on this. Um,
1: so even as black soldiers went to war and fought and died for this country, uh, why we couldn't still, like, like we gave our lives, fought side by, put it like this. I've heard Charles Barkley say, the one thing about sports is it doesn't matter if your teammate is gay. <clears throat> when, you, when you share that commonality a bond, a goal, struggle, winning, losing. It's, it's, it's a kinship. So as long as you can play and you're in that foxhole with me and you're fighting with me, you're bleeding with me, who cares what you are? So, and often as Muhammad Ali even said, you know, he went off, won the gold medal, came back home and couldn't eat in the restaurant and sit where he wanted. So as a soldier... Do you think those white soldiers who may have been racist or may not given a black person a second thought or seen them as a man when they saw them side by side, holding the same
0: rifle, bleeding the same blood? Does that go away? Um, I don't know because I wasn't, you know, I've never been in that situation, but I know from I'm, I'm talking about then. Right. Now you hear people say it all the time. If someone's in the fox, that's who you, like you just said, if they're in the same foxhole with you, that's, that's your brother. That's who you're leaning on. Right. And the only way that I could put this together a little bit differently, and this doesn't go with everybody, but you know, like dudes who play sports. Right. And like in college, college sports, and I'm not saying all dudes, but there's a different kinship that you see happens between white guys and black guys that play sports together. There's, there's a, there's a different kind of relationship that happens.
1: It, well you know it feels like and I gotta draw from the movie uh, um,
0: Remember the Titans that color shit goes away yeah because you now you've lived life with someone in a way right. that you can't see them as you see every you see your commonalities you don't see your differences because when you're fighting together it's all about what you have in common it's all about what you're fighting for right <clears throat> so I, I I think that's I think that's you know, uh, so to use that analogy, yeah, I think they would have to see each other differently then.
1: Right. You know, it, it would have been, because again, these are questions that I'm asking that I don't have the
0: answers to. And I think we do that well, and people don't understand it. Sometimes we're just asking the question so we can start the conversation. These aren't our answers right. always. People think, I get so many emails. Like I would
1: have loved to maybe if they would have had, a white person reading from the white perspective. Maybe a white soldier going, Hey man, I fought with this black soldier. I bled with this black soldier. He might have saved my ass at a time or two.
0: Yeah, I think differently now. What did you think of the white guy, the only white guy that's in this documentary? I mean, he he played whatever that the part that he was supposed to play. Um and it was completely as an educator. That's all right, he was. Right. Would it have been wrong for a white actor to read one of the speeches. I don't think that it has the same. It. I don't think it holds the same weight. I don't think the connection. We can all say that we we can, we can connect, but culturally, there's a there always is going to be a difference. There always and, and and rightfully so because you grow up in whatever culture you grow up is, and it, I'm not even saying this has to do with the color of your skin, your culture. Uh, when you, you you talk to people that are from New England are different than people that are from Chicago. Culturally, there's differences. And those differences are part of who we are as people. Right. And, and I'm not saying that it has to be a, with racial overtones. Right. It's just the way that, the way an Italian says mozzarella when it's clearly mozzarella is what's written on the <laughs> right. thing. You know? But that's, right. that's the culture. And right. that, that lends you to know that that other person knows you the same way that you know that fucking piece of cheese. That's the, I, I. I'm not against that culture. It's when that. It's when you're making that person a bad person or some or you're judging them in a negative way by that. There's there's nothing that should be wrong with our cultures mixing that way. It's it's this judgmentality and they're, they're, you're not as well. You're not. This, you're not a good enough person. <clears throat> Speaking of Chicagoans, kid, the
1: <laughs> fucking winning's here are brutal. I would think niggas can't commit crime and rob you when it's fucking eighty below zero, kid. What the fuck is going in here? These niggas in Chicago. The fucking murder rate is fucking ridiculous. I guess it's so high because all the killings are done in the summer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is where you Never oh, never mind. <laughs> no, never mind. No. Say it, say it. I was gonna say this is when you need uh that uh who was the gambler? The gambler. The gam- the gambler guy that uh And rounders? No 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 sorry in in sports, Jimmy the Greek, that's when you need Jimmy Oh oh. the other to explain to him. Did, why- you,
1: did you know that Jimmy the Greek
0: was my uncle kid? <laughs>
1: Where the fuck do you think he got his advice from? I'm the one that fucking told him to It's like, fucking, when is it a day? (sighs) Lessons of the hour, Arnold Schwarzenegger, 1894. You know, I asked my friends who are apologizing for not insisting upon this right where the black man can look in this country for the assertion of his right if you may not look into the massachusetts anti-slavery society have you lifted us up to a certain height to see we are men we look naturally to this platform for the assertion of our rights let me not be misunderstood here i'm not asking for sympathy at the hands of abolitionists or sympathy at the hands of any i think the american people are disposed to be generous rather than to be just. If you were to ask the American Negro, what he truly wants is to be seen greater than his fellow man who is of different hue. To that, the answer is resounding no. But if you were to ask him, is it to be seen as an equal who is treated with the same respect, able to have the same rights and liberties bestowed upon him as it is every American citizen to that, he would answer absolutely. Yay, yay.
0: That's it for me. Dude, as soon as you said Arnold Schwarzenegger, I turned my head, I moved my <laughs> fucking body away because I knew I was going to laugh throughout the whole thing that I wasn't expecting Arnold. But you know, when you read it, yeah. I just imagine people like going to his speeches when he was the governor. Right. Like, and that's what they would have. They would yeah. have given these. Only then I had my donkey.
1: My donkey would come on stage with me, <laughs> and whenever I would say one of my Arnold Schwarzenegger ocrealisms oh, or oh, California, my donkey would go Hee-h-h-h-h! and make the donkey noise. Yeah, you know, in my early days when I used to do bar curls, I used to use donkeys. I put the donkey in each hand, and I do the curl, and I go one donkey rep donkey
0: uh, Um Because we've discussed the politics a little bit, I just want to get this off my chest because I've yes. been getting some emails. And uh, one of them was about m- me understanding certain things in the black culture or community. And because the, and the, the, what they said was that they appreciated me uh, and my support for black causes. Yeah. And I'm going to say something that some people may understand and may not. I am not when you hear me speak, I'm not speaking on black causes. I'm not speaking for black people. I'm not trying to make life better for black folks. Even though we wouldn't be mad at you if you did. But listen to what I'm—the next part of what I'm saying. I want to hold America to what its ideas were, as I understood it. Which is the right, the, for the pursuit of, 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 of our freedoms, our, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of everything that we, it says in the Constitution and what we stand for. I wanna hold America accountable to that. And all by- we
1: say in America is be true to what you put on paper. If this were Russia or China or any totalitarian country, maybe we could deal with the basic differences over there.
0: Okay. I love that speech by Martin Luther King. But, but that's it. That is it. Right. I'm holding America to its accountability for what it claims to be. Right. And in the process, if that supports people here who have been unjustly uh, have, 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 have not had the same justice, have, have not had the same rights, have not had the same freedoms, mm-hmm. that's what I'm. That's what this is about. That's my thought process. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want people to mistake me for trying to be that liberal that is is trying to to justify a new America. I don't want to justify a new America. I want them to fix what's fucked up from the old America. If they mm. said something, if they claim something, that's what I want this America to be. Because I grew up, I'm fifty six years old. I grew up when nineteen seventy six was a big deal, and I thought it was a big deal it was our, our our bicentennial. I thought this was a big deal, and you know, I found out later it wasn't as meaningful as I thought. It is meaningful, but we we, we didn't. We, we, we didn't produce what we said we were. That's what I want. I want us to be able to stand on what this is. And so that's who I am. When you guys are questioning me and you're sending me these emails, I want you to understand what it is. I'm not trying to give you answers. I'm asking questions. I'm framing the question so that we can have the conversation. That's all any of this is. When you say that I'm on the fence, on stand, just because I give you another point of view doesn't mean that I even I agree with that point of view. It means I need to look at that so that I can frame the question so that we can have the argument. That's it. That's who I am. I think that's fair.
1: Um, all right. Uh dates? Yep. All I'm saying, sweetie, after I bought you them drinks, be true to what <laughs> be true to what you said about that pussy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Uh you listen to this on uh this is oh this is the following week. So uh you're listening to this and we're gonna be in Cincinnati. We're at the uh Liberty, uh we're at Cincinnati Funny Bone in Liberty Township, Ohio, March 25th through the 26th. And then uh March uh, 31st uh through April 3rd, we're at Off the Hook Comedy Club in Naples. Uh very fun comedy club, uh great food. Can't wait to get uh some, I'm excited to get some good good eats right there without having to go somewhere else. April 7th through the 10th, we're going to be in, in Be More at the Comedy Factory in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, April 15th through the 16th at Funny Bone, Albany, New York. April 21st to the 23rd, Skyline Country uh, Comedy Club, Country Club, Skyline Comedy Club in Appleton, Wisconsin. And April 29th through May 1st, Summit City Comedy Club in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is also new. Is that a new one for you too? Or Fort Wayne? Yeah, at the uh, no, summit. I've been, that that will be. But I've been to Fort Wayne. Yeah, but Summit yeah. City, because those are, that's <clears> that's uh, that's a dude Adam who's done. Those are both their clubs. Oh, Okay, uh, they're related from from, from Spokane and, and Tacoma. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. their
1: clubs. Oh shit,
0: okay. So I I I'm really excited to go to those both their new clubs. Yeah. Uh really looking forward. Please come out and support the uh, those clubs if you're in the area, because uh, we really like his. Uh, we really like what they're doing with their uh, comedy clubs. I think they. Uh, they bring a good comedy culture to their cities.
1: All right. <clears throat> Coming up. This is Jordan Hughes. Uh, the single is called Menon. M-E-N-N-E-N. By Menon.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a deodorant, right? Or a, a Menon's? Menin, yeah, deodorant. Oh, okay. That was before they had all the flavors. Remember, you'd have like three choices right. deodorant. and One smelled like shit, and then hmm. the other one was like Cool Breeze. Right. And then they came out with all the- oh, Okay.
1: Hey, Daddy, here's yours. Merry Christmas. Brute by Fabergé. Thank you.
0: And they came in one flavor. You cheap (laughs) motherfuckers. All right. Aqua Velva was
1: the other one. Okay. Uh, Jordan Hughes, the single is called Menin in Joy. All I'm saying, sweetie, after I bought you them drinks, be true to what you said about that pussy. I just like that. All right.
0: High Karate was another one.
1: Yes my nigga I am
0: in place My, run, I'm in in place. My, My in nigga I'm running 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 runnin', 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 But I'm runnin', losing runnin the race losing the, the race Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm running too fast Maybe this movement we built around music is really your road to our
1: death Maybe I'm tired, the world is on fire I fire on anyone here Looking like I might have fell in the hell Really niggas been here since birth Papa used to put the crack on the scale That's when I meet the devil himself He isn't red, he isn't black, he's just white Can't even the scales, it isn't fair But that's just life I'm on a losing end Chasing a pot of gold That don't exist I'm my nigga, I'm running, 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 but I'm running in place. Damn, yeah. running, <kart2> yeah. runnin yeah. my nigga, I'm running, 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 but I'm running in place. my nigga, I'm running, 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 but I'm losing the race, yes. losing the race. Is this a track or a trap meal? Sweating white boys fed meals.
0: I done work for every dollar down in my bouquet. Thanks for listening to the Spears and Steinberg podcast. If you'd like to know who's responsible for this shit, well, it was hosted by Ari Spears and Andy Steinberg, produced by Steve Merrick and Anthony Holmes, executive producer, Big Papa, Robert Kelly, and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcast. For more information on where to find us on the internet, visit www.spearsbergpod.com. But just
1: because you say it with conviction. It don't mean shit to me.
0: What do you think you're being kind of hard on the guy? You go fuck yourself, convict!